Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans and welcome back to an extremely exciting episode of the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with me, your host Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well, hope you're all good as per usual. Before we get into today's topic, uh, I want to do a bit of housekeeping. So make sure that you follow me at Twitter at nerdstalgic underscore pod to, keep you, to be kept up to date on everything and anything that I am doing. Also, if you listen to this on YouTube, uh, make sure to like, comment and subscribe and all that jazz. And if you're not following me on YouTube, just go onto youtube.com, uh, type in the Nerd Stagic podcast and subscribe. And also don't forget to ring the bell for notifications to be kept up to date whenever I release a new episode every Sunday. So the reason why this is an extremely exciting episode, and the reason why I'm so hyped is because I get to dive back into Studio Ghibli. I get to go back in. Uh, and if you've listened to my uh, Nausicaa episode, which you haven't, Please do go back and check it out because I gush. I gushed over that movie. That movie is so gorgeous. And I'll get into how much I gushed over it in a minute. Um, but for anybody who wasn't in the know or who missed that one, um, basically, this is going to be sort of a series where I, for the first time, because I am new to the Studio Ghibli movies, I haven't watched them all apart from Nausicaa and watching um, bits of um, Porco Rosso but never watched the whole movie. Um, I've decided to go back and to watch them all completely from the very first movie of Nausicaa all the way up to the most recent one, which was um, two, uh, 2020, which was Earwig and the Witch. Um, so I, I, I'm incredibly, really excited for this. I, I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait to watch uh, the movie that we're going to talk about today. So I'm really, really excited. Um, so... The movie that I'll be reviewing today is the next movie in line. So you had from 1984, you had Nausicaa um, of the Valley of, of Wind, of the Wind, which was incredible. I loved it. It blew me away. And then uh, a couple years later, the next movie they came out with in 1986 uh, was Castle in the Sky, or as it was known in Japan, uh, Laputa, uh, Castle in the Sky. And it was called Castle in the Sky in, in the North America. Um, so that's what I'm going to be looking at today. Um, but before I get into that, I just want to talk about my experience and, and uh, how much Norska sort of affected me. So if you've listened to the episode, um, you'll know how much of that movie really sort of got to me. And I just loved it. I fell in love straight away with Ghibli movies. And I watched that movie twice, um, not just because it's a two hour long movie. Generally, it's that I wanted to watch it twice, not just to kind of make sure I fully understood what I was seeing, but also the fact of just because I had an excuse to watch it again, really, because I just loved it that much. Um, the soundtrack to that film, I found myself after doing the review, um, after recording it, I found myself just still listening to it. So whenever I'd come down to write notes for other podcast episodes, I'd sit and I want to listen to that um, soundtrack over and over again because it we found it really calming, really relaxing. I just fell in love with that. Um, I went on to Amazon and I um, looked for t-shirt, Norsica t-shirts. There weren't many actually, surprisingly, but I found a few and I have them on order. So they should be coming soon. Um I, I as I was listening to the 
uh, soundtrack, I ended up going through the comments. And this is the part which gets rather interesting that some of you might find this rather funny. I find it funny because it, it's me and I know what I'm like. Um, uh, when I get invested in something, when I fall in love with something, I 100% get invested. I have to read all the comics, all the books, watch all the films, all the TV shows, yada, yada, yada. Once I'm invested, I'm in. You know, I'm in, I'm in, which is kind of scary because, especially for my bank account, um, I have adult money and it tends to disappear very quickly. <laughs> um, but as I was listening to the soundtrack, I started reading through um, the comments uh, on YouTube, and just I was sort of connecting with people who would all watch this movie, and I was saying it's my first time viewing, and just having quite chats and conversation. Anyway, as I've come down, there was one guy who wrote a huge paragraph about um this movie and how the music felt to him and then he basically spoke about how it upset him that some people would only ever experience the um movie and that they wouldn't never really experience the manga and he went into detail basically how the manga was the original sort of um idea and concept that heyo um butcher his name um, Mikazari, Mikazazi, Mikazazaki, um, I'm really butchering the name, but that was his original sort of idea and concept for uh, the story was this huge, ever-expanding manga, which was like loads of volumes and loads of stories. Um, and I was like, well, I've got to check this out. So I'm currently in the look of going onto Amazon and I managed to find a complete box set of the uh, Nausicaa manga, um, all volumes for about 35 to 40 quid, which is not bad, not overly expensive. Um, but it's surprising to me because one, I, I'm not, I've tried manga in the past. I couldn't get into it. My dyslexia does not allow me to, because um, when I was growing up, to get me into really sort of being able to read books, I had it drilled into me of like, this is how you read a book. This is how... Um, obviously sentence structure and like when you had comic books you know you kind of learnt from graphic novels of which which way to read uh speech bubbles and how it all works and that sort of thing and I had it drilled into me more so the books not the comic books the comic books i kind of did myself um and only to get manga where it's backwards uh, so you read from the back and you read the bubbles i think it's right to left instead of left to right um so it's going to take a while for me to get into it. Haven't bought the manga as of yet, but I will. <clears throat> it's definitely one I want to do because the guy, he, he wrote a full paragraph explaining like that was original idea and that's it. there's a lot more to it. And the, and you get hints of what happened before and what happens after the movie ends. And there's just so much detail and rich. And again, like I said, I fell in love with that two hour long movie that I just had to, I wanted to see what more I missed. I wanted to, have more of this world and these characters so yeah i it had a really lasting effect on me that movie um still does now i still listen to the soundtrack here uh, now and again whenever i want to sort of zen out or calm down or anything like that or relax or when i'm just doing notes for a podcast i will write i will pull it on on youtube i found one um it's only like 20 minutes long but it feels a lot longer because the music is so rich and, and gorgeous and detailed. And if you've listened to the uh, the episode, you know how much um, I fell in love with that world and that music. And I went on to reams and reams and reams about the music. So you can probably understand how much it meant to me <clears throat> and how much it still means to me. 
but I just find it funny how like I just got addicted where I had to buy t-shirts and um had to find I tried to find posters and plushies and I was like no I can't find no plushies but there were there were posters and I was looking into some getting some t-shirts and then they found the manga and I was like oh well, I've got to get the manga now I've got to read it so I don't know when I would do it because it is like 40 quid um so it is a bit, of a, a bit of an investment especially for something that I might not enjoy but I had so much love for Nausicaa that, you know, it's, it's something to um, look into. So I just wanted to uh, talk about that. I just wanted to talk about my experience with Nausicaa, how it had such an effect on me. And I, I thought that you you lot would be interested in that. Um, as for the development, uh, development of this movie, I'm going to split it into... Um, sections so i'm going to split into the beginnings of studio ghibli because the studio ghibli really sort of started this is where the the company the studio was founded with this movie Um, and then there was going to be a trip to wales which links into this film and then the production so um, starting off the beginnings of studio ghibli um, so following the commercial commercial success of miyazaki's previous film nausicaa of the valley of the wind from 1984 um, he was eager to begin work on an old-fashioned adventure film that would be a, a pleasure to watch as he would say in quotes Miyazaki's first uh, proposal for an animated feature film was based on a research trip to Yanagawa, I think I'm pronouncing it, tentatively titled Blue Mountains. Uh, The film was never produced, but it inspired uh, Miyazaki's longtime collaborator Iso Takahata, again, if I'm I'm butchering the names, I do do apologise, to create the story of the Yamakata canals um, in 1987 a documentary on the environmental effects of industry on the local waterways um, Miyazaki as Miyazaki was financing the project in large part through his personal office um, Animage editor um, Toshio Suzuki recommended that he direct another film to recover the expense to which Miyazaki immediately agreed in 2014 Suzuki reflected on the event saying if Takahata um, had made his movie on schedule, um, The Castle in the Sky wouldn't have been born. On June the 15th, uh, 1985, uh, Miyazaka and Takahata founded Studio Ghibli uh, with support from Suzuki and his publishing company, um, Tokuma Shoten. Uh, Miyazaki chose the, the name himself, referencing both the Arabic term for a warm wind from the Sahara, as well as the name of an aircraft used by the Italian military during the Second World War. Um, animation writer uh, Danny Calavaro notes that this choice is indicative of Miyazaki's love of both airplanes and Italy. Um, the intent behind the creation of the studio was to blow a whirlwind into a state. Uh, stagnating Japanese animation industry by creating original high-quality feature films. Um, In a speech at the 1995 um, International Animation Film Festival, Suzuki said uh, the idea was to dedicate full energy into each piece of work with sufficient budget and time, never compromising on the quality or content. So that's kind of the beginnings of Studio Ghibli. Now the trip to Wales. Miyazaki first visited Wales on a research trip in 1985 um, when Laputa, uh, Laputa 
was in the beginning stages of production. He decided to take inspiration from the architecture of the region, as a, and as a result, some of the structures seen in the film resembles Welsh mining towns. Uh, Miyazaki also witnessed the coal miners' strike in protest of mines closed um, in the UK at the time. Uh, their ultimate failure to preserve the industry left a lasting impact on Miyazaki, who viewed the event as an attack by those in power on the miners' uh, way of life and the hard-working spirit of the people. His experience uh, experiences reflected in several supporting characters in the film, who, despite uh, labouring through poverty in the mines, enthusiastically protect the protagonists from multiple aggressors. Um, Susan James Napier argues that this depiction reveals Miyazaki's yearning for a simpler way of life and a desire to create a story based on optimism. As, as animation scholar Helen McCarthy writes, it seems that Castle in the Sky also contains echoes of the struggle of the Welsh people for neighbourhood and freedom. Miyazaki would visit Wales once more in 1986, ahead of the release of the film. In 2005, he told The Guardian, I admired those people. I admired the way they battled to save their way of life, just as the coal miners in Japan did. Uh, many people... Many, oh, sorry. Many people... Sorry, last month, but many people of my generation see the miners as a symbol, a dying breed of fighting men. Now they are gone. Right, so that is uh, the trip to Wales. Um, as for the production, there is uh, Castle in the Sky has been critically acclaimed for its animation quality. Um, Calavaro discusses the meticulous method of animating several dis distinct layers that the film employed, inquiring significantly more labour before the use of digital tools, which she calls a valuable testimony to Studio Ghibli's in vertebrate commitment. Certain special effects from the film also use a combination of cell and film technologies. Uh, Takahata, who produced the film, insisted that the highest quality be maintained in spite of the production expense. Uh, Napier argues that the production of... Uh, Castle in the Sky established a new industry standard. Miyazaki states in the original project proposal that Castle in the Sky is a project to bring animation back to its roots. The film had a reported production budget of 5,000 yen, five, uh, 500 million yen, sorry, at the time, um, equivalent, equivalent to uh, 3,000 or equivalent to 8 million. In 2022, uh, several animation studios uh, such as uh, Doga Kobo and O Productions provided support for the in-between um, animation. Do apologise then, I, my phone went off and I had to edit it out and uh, my got a bit messed up with my notes. Um, but that is kind of the idea of, of the development, the beginning of Studio Ghibli, the trip to Wales that inspired sort of a lot of the things that you'd see in this movie, as well as the production. Um... I'm not going to talk about the plot summary. I haven't read it, haven't looked at it at all, mainly because I want to go into this completely blind as I possibly can. That is my main goal. Um, so I won't talk about the plot, but that is sort of the introduction. That is all I have um, to say uh, now. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to going into this movie. I'm sure it's going to blow me away. I'm sure I'm going to love it. This movie is actually longer than... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. The movies actually are very much longer than 
um, Nausicaa. Nausicaa itself is only 117 minutes, around about two hours. And this is 124 minutes. By Not by a lot, but it's, it's longer. But I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it just as much. Um, like I said, I'm really, really excited. I, I just can't wait to begin. So, without further ado, um, let's get into it. Right, Castle in the Sky, Studio Ghibli, Movie 2. Bosh, let's do it, shall we? So, I've just finished watching Castle in the Sky, which, by the way, I now after watching this movie, I generally think Laputa, uh, Castle in the Sky, is a way better uh, title than the North American one, which is just Castle in the Sky. Um, but I've now watched this movie. Well, technically, I've now watched it twice. Um, I basically realised after I finished the introduction, and I, I realised this with Norsica as well, uh, because how long these movies are, there's no way that I could really properly, thoroughly break down and understand, really, a two-hour-long film by watching it once. It's something that you have to watch at least two, maybe even three times to really properly uh, notice things that you didn't notice before when, on the first viewing um, and to really sort of get into uh, the feel of what the movie is trying to be, what it's trying to do, the characters and those fun little things. And as I noticed as well with Nausicaa, um, the, the little added details that you didn't notice the first time around, the way characters act or how, for example, in this movie, um, you've got uh, the Dola gang and how that granny basically says to them that you want a girl like me and that um, Sheeta is a girl like me and you'd be lucky to have a girl like that. Which, again, I only noticed this on the second viewing, was that um, they all started when they finally get she onto their ship, onto their pirate ship. They basically tried to woo her. They tried to all flirt with her and basically like, oh, well, I, I, I want to help you and try to, you know, she's just, she just thinks they're helping, but they've been trying to woo her and it realizes that they're all trying to do it at the same time. And they're all like, oh my God, you, you said you weren't going to. And it's a very, very funny scene. I don't give it no justice whatsoever, but it was a little detail that I noticed on the second viewing from what uh, Granny said to what, you know, happened later on in the story. So repeated viewing and seeing these movies more than once is definitely something that I'm going to have to do for the rest of these films, uh, which is not something I've ever done before. I've watched other long movies. Um, I've watched other two or long films. Um, and I found myself being able to really sort of quantify and, and describe what it is I, I saw and what I felt. Um, but with this series, because there's so much to it, because it's so nuanced and, and so arty and um, so many different themes going on at different times, you do get the moments where you sit there and goes, I'm going to have to watch this again to really sort of understand what it is I have just... Um, just witnessed so but depending on how long the next movies are in the series if they're all two hours and i'll be watching them twice otherwise i'll probably only just watch them once but knowing me i've loved my journey so far i've loved all the movies i've seen so i'm more than happily on my own just wanted to watch them more than once anyway so um i just wanted to 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 note that at the beginning of the review um as for the actual review itself so uh the movie is it's a fun epic adventure you know, it's 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 akin to the likes of, say, if you've got Indiana Jones meets uh, The Lost City of Atlantis, the Disney one. You know, it's full of adventure. The characters are all very um, big and, and boisterous. The world, the lore, the characters are all vibrant and bright and full of life. I said it's about Nausicaa 
and you know it's the same thing here you know they just express they just emit um a feeling of the world that's real that's lived in that each character has a story before the story began and during the story and after the story all the characters are memorable they all have uh, this sense of uh, realism of you know because as i mentioned in the introduction like Miyazaki took inspiration from wales and straight away when i saw um patsu's uh, village that he lives it's really in the vein of the way Wales used to look and way mining towns used to look. Dry away I had that feelings of like this feels very, very English. This feels very British. I like it. You know? Um everything just feels organic. And again, I feel this is down to the art style as well, hand drawn animation. Something you just don't get nowadays with CGI. You make things look beautiful, you can make things look incredible, you can do wonderful things, you can do things that you possibly couldn't do before you can go places you couldn't go before all this jazz um but with hand-drawn animation you just have the extra style of, of of realism of being able to really be impactful because a human drew it actually spent the time hours and hours just drawing and and texturing each sort of level each sort of scene that when you see it with your eyes in motion, you can just feel the love, you can feel the creativeness inside it. So um, that's, for me, is is part of the creativeness, is part of the um, movie itself. It's just the beautiful art. And I will get on to that uh, in a minute. But yeah, it just has a sense of feeling of Indiana Jones. You know, that adventure is there, that mystery, that wanting to find um, Laputa, wanting to find the, the treasures, wanting to realise... Uh, the true pot- the potential as to why this city is in the sky, where the people went, um, why people decided um, to to basically abandon it, and why it's abandoned, and that sort of thing. And there's also the Atlantis part of it comes in of that of like um, Patsa who who's trying to find it, he's trying to discover it. His father he saw it one day. Uh, everybody saw that he told him he was a liar, and that the idea of being called a liar basically sent his father into an early grave and killed his father off so patsu has a a a lifelong sort of goal to like prove that laputa is is real and that his father was telling the truth and that to bring back the riches and just to show the like bring back to the people really and just not just he doesn't want the gold he just wants to prove that it's real and the the adventures there and the milo from atlantis really strings true here and this is again 1986 you know this is way before uh atlantis and round about the time of indiana jones but it just has that adventure kiddie epic sort of style to it and i i immensely fell in love with the characters and world straight away the art style just pulled me in um and i was just on a train journey of, of epic proportion all the way through um but again like the world and the law all real i want to know more about this world i want to know why we went from floating cities to then living back on the earth and why uh plane and, and aerial technology is starting again because it is very steampunky you can tell that we're in the future there's futuristic tech and weapons but at the very much it's kind of like we've devolved it's kind of like something happened kind of like um Norsica. we like we were at the pinnacle of technology and then something happened and now we're back to square one and now we're starting all over again and we pick up the story in that sort of ever-evolving um, humanity getting back on its feet again 
you know, so that law, the world, the characters, everything is just there for the, for the picking. And a part of me kind of hopes that there is and isn't a manga, because if there is, I'm going to have to buy it, which means I'm going to, because it's going to expand the law. So I need to know more about this world. Um, and that just shows the, the power of this story and this world that is being created here that you want to get invested. You want not just in the adventure, but everything. You want to know everybody, every single character that you meet, um, every sort of bit of uh, plot development, everything like that you get, you want to know about. If you can hear that in the background, that's my dog playing with a with chew toy. I do apologize if you can hear scratching running around on, in the background. Um, but everything's just so powerful. It's, it's just so lived in that the world is just alive, and I love it. Um, and I'm just in awe incredibly in all um the music again I, I i always mention this but the music is just as powerful um as nausicaa uh but the movie is more light-hearted you know like where nausicaa is very serious it, it nausicaa is, is a story um, not just about the environment um but about sort of being in harmony and that trying to be in harmony with the earth and not destroying it any further. It, it has an, it kind of in a way you could say it has an agenda, it has a motive, it has a um, not lighthearted sort of point of like, this is what the world will be like if we don't stop destroying it. Um, and it has these lighthearted moments, but it is overall like an epic. It's more, Norska, after sort of reflection as to the music over and over again, to me, Norska is like a operatic ep- um, uh, opera, you know, operatic sort of epic movie um, it's kind of like what you'd imagine that um fantasia is for example or, or what uh, the looney tunes did where they took um opera music and they made sort of um mini short looney tunes sort of um movies out of it it's kind of like that where it's like somebody took some epic music and just tried to tell a story through through that that's how I sort of my overall sort of thought is of, of, of Norsica and the music and how it intertwines. Here in the Castle in the Sky, it's very much lighthearted. It's very um, powerful. It's mainly like for children, but it can still be epic. It's not like I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come down to your level and I'm gonna give you an epic adventure, uh, one that is going to blow you away. It's going to make you feel full of wonder and love and compassion but also when it needs to be epic and it needs to be sort of powerful which there are many moments in this movie where they are where like you have the robot and um Sheeta and the robot comes to save her and it's very like a king kong sort of s sort of moment um uh, whether where the robot is trying to protect her and the robot's only doing what it's, it's programmed to do so it's destroying everything and she's like stop stop you're kidding everybody you're destroying everything please stop and the music is powerful and epic and then you got the scenery and ah oh, it's it's just an orgasm of just in pure wow you know just that few human arcane feeling of just oh my god i can't believe what i'm seeing and my brain is just melting as i'm watching and I, i'm in love um i love this movie i do so so much i love i i'm sure i'm gonna love all the movies and this is something that you're gonna hear all the way through this series for all the movies i'm sure i'm gonna love them all um but this movie it, i just love it it's light-hearted it's fun it's an adventure indiana jones meets Atlantis I never knew I needed it never knew I wanted it but here it is and I'm glad I've got it and I'm glad it exists 
you know, again, can't believe 1986. Sadly, I don't have my computer with me at the moment, so I can't Google what animated movies were being made in the in that in 1986. Um, but I don't believe they're probably as powerful as this movie. Uh, probably not as long either. Um, I recently watched The Land Before Time, and I remember that movie being a lot longer when I was a kid. Um, that movie is is a lot shorter. Still very, very powerful in, in the story. There are a lot of in, in sort of inconsistencies, inaccuracies with dinosaurs and the way dinosaurs look. But again, we can't judge it. We have to judge it on the time frame, not on what the knowledge that we know now in dinosaurs. Um, but again, nothing compared to what Ghibli was doing, in, in my opinion. You know, actually, I'm going to pro- I'm going to look it up. I'm going to Google it after I do the review, and I will look up for myself um, just to see. Um, what movies were coming out in in 1986? Just to kind of give my own gauge of like if there was epic. I don't feel like they were, but we'll see, or I will see. Um, as for the sort of the characters, uh, we've got Patsu, um, which I feel like I'm butchering the name. Um, but Patsu is an orphan, but he like he's very brave, very determined. As I mentioned, his main goal is to kind of he, he works in the mines in this little town. He's an orphan, um, so the whole town is like his family, all his friends. They kind of look after him. He lives on his own, um, and he's basically working the mines to raise some money so that he can finish off his flying machine to basically go off and find Laputa to finish off his dad's work, to finish off his dad's quest, to prove that not only that the city exists, but his dad wasn't crazy and his dad wasn't lying. Um, and then he, he meets uh, Sheeta and his old world is sort of flipped upside down. And he real, like for a 13-year-old boy, he's incredibly brave, incredibly determined, incredibly loyal to a fault um, with Sheeta. Like when he meets her, like you, I don't think... You could say that he falls in love with her, but I, after watching this movie twice, um, I wouldn't say that he is. I, I would say that he loves her, but I wouldn't say it's a romance. I would say that it's a kindred spirits that they're both orphans, that they both have no home, so they have each other, and it's that friendly bond. It's that sort of friendship. Sort of there doesn't need to be an overtones of relationship where like Disney or Pixar would would try to or even other sort of DreamWorks would try to like shoehorn in a romance with these two. There's love there and you can sense that love and you can see that love, but it's, it's not romantic love. It's friendship love. It's a bond. It's a connection that only best friends would ever, or ever really truly understand, you know? And he even says like, she's my world. She's all I have. And it's true. You know, he's all, she is all sort of, um, he has, she's proof not just to him, but also to the world that Laputa is real. He, you know, and that his dad wasn't crazy. Also, they're both sort of orphans. They both don't really have anybody left, you know, so they both need each other. So, yeah, she is his world and she and he's hers, really. And it's it's quite beautiful. Um, again, as Ashita, she's also a very, very strong character. She holds a lot of great power and magic. Uh, but she's not aware of it. There is magic in this um, movie. Now, is it magic or is it like a technology that we can't understand? Because that's what they—that's what uh, I'm sure there is. There is a quote out there, basically, that uh, technology we don't understand always comes off as magic. You know, is always conveyed as some sort of sorcery because we can't comprehend it. We can't understand how it works, so it seems magical to us. Um, so. 
is it magic? Is it not? I don't know. I like to think it is magic. Um, and that it, it, this stone that she has, this talisman, um, protects her. So if she's ever in danger, she's ever in need of help, um, she it will either come to life on its own and, and, protect, and protect her and save her or save those around her. Or if she has spells, she can then use them to for good or for bad. And there, there is a line in this that I love. And it basically goes, and it, it really made me really reevaluate the idea and concept of magic and learning magic. It's It was the idea of um, he, her grandmother taught her the spells and taught her the magic. But in order to understand and appreciate um, the good magic and to make the good magic work, she also needed to know the bad magic. She had to understand the wicked to understand the beautiful. You know, and I thought that was incredibly powerful and really beautiful piece of um, quote, you know, a bit of scripture there, how um, to understand the beauty and understand the good that can be done with this power. You have to understand that if you misuse it, um, this is the this is the bad things that can happen. These are the bad spells. You should never use these spells. But these are the spells that um, led to maybe even the downfall of uh, Laputa and its people as to why they left the city. It's never really said, but again, it's, it, you could interpret it like that because um, you never really get an answer as to why the city was abandoned. You know, I, I did a bit of a Google after I watched the movie before I actually did this review, actually, before I actually started recording this. Um, and all I could really find was as people's interpretations and that the idea was that kind of like Atlantis, but a little bit different where the people basically realized that they wanted to get back to their roots, that they had got too powerful with their technology and that they were unhinged, they were unconnected to nature and that they wanted to get back to nature. So they abandoned the city and they just left the city in the sky. Um, and nature being nature, that if you let, if you leave nature to do its thing, that nature will take, take back what you, it will claim back what you took from it. So the stone to make your buildings, um, the sort of, uh, minerals to make roads and pavements and, and glass and that sort of thing all the minerals the earth and nature will take those back and, and seep them back into the earth to be used once more um and that's what happened to the city so when you find the city it's gorgeous it's grand it's beautiful it's got a giant tree growing out of it there's life there's there's animals birds little fox things living about in this little ecosystem this little bubble and um, the roots are inc incredibly deep and the groups of in in grown entwined in the city um i'll get into talking about in the city in a minute but it, it's so grand so beautiful um one more character that i wanted to mention because i love her she's incredible um is grandma dola uh, she's a pirate she's absolutely badass old lady she's incredible uh, she's got her sons who are very very silly quite stupid um uh, not very brightest bulbs but again she loves them and like the story really begins with like it makes you kind of think that these pirates are, are bad are evil are, are basically pirates are, are cruel mean sort of the enemies um and then you you slowly start to know them as uh Shita and Patsa get to know them and straight away you're like these people are, are pretty good you know yeah they're pirates but they don't hide it like yeah we're pirates but we're not evil we just want treasure that's it we don't want to hurt anybody we don't want to kill anybody if we don't have to we just want treasure that is our goal as pirates is to sail around in our little airship find treasure and get rich that's it 
you know um and i like that you know there's no sort of hidden agenda or anything like that sort of like treasure island sort of thing it's generally like yep yeah, we're pirates but we're good people we just like gold it's as simple as that and i love it you know um but it's it's not just sort of grandpa doll it's not just um Shia. it's not just patsu it's all the characters every single character that you meet in this story whether it's got a big part to play or little part to play all are incredible you know from you know you really and you remember them from boss he's a character you only meet a bit when you first meet um patsa and there ha- there's a little fight when the dola gang come into town and really badass have these like anime moments where they get and they really sort of swole up and they go, like squ- like flex their muscles and their shirts rip open and they try to have like a show look i'm harder than you and like they punch each other in the stomach and you can tell it really hurting they got sweat going down but they gotta try and be hard and uh, you know again it's a very memorable memorable moment you know he, he boss doesn't he only his name is boss he doesn't say a lot um but his character is memorable or uncle pom again another memorable character less i'd say less probably less screen time than boss but you remember him you know, he he's an old man that lives in the in the mines underneath the city or the abandoned mines, and he's really in touch with with nature. And he listens to the stone, and the stone talks to him. Yes, he's 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 lost a bit of his marbles, but he is in tune with nature. He's in tune with the world, with the stone. The stones talk to him, and he proves it to to Shita and Patsa. Like he he turns the light off, and he just says, "Listen, listen to the stone." And eventually, once it all goes quiet and it goes dark, the stones come to come to life and they start to glow. Um, and he shows that the true beauty of of the earth. All you've got to do is listen to it. You know, it's beautiful and it's a very memorable moment, very memorable memorable character. Um, and yeah, all of them are um, sort of memorable. Even the robot again. You, you you know you get a few different robots all the same sort of type of robot but different robots all have a, obviously their own personality none of them talk at all um but you can tell that what each one's been through you can tell who each robot is you know there's only two robots that you properly meet in in, in this um film but you can understand their motives without any speech it's just from what their actions and how they act and how they look you can just tell who uh, what kind of personality they have yeah, it's just it's just wonderful it's it's just incredible um again they don't much get screen time but you remember them how much can you say about that way like you watch a movie animated or not um and you remember the background characters you remember characters you don't even spend that much time about how many movies can you say about that animated or not you know i can't think of many you know, unless you have movies that are made to be like that, kind of like a Wes Anderson or Tarantino sort of film, um, where every little detail matters and every character and everything that each character says and does matters. Um, I don't really remember where much where you remember much of the side characters apart from, oh, that character was funny or that character looked funny or so on and so forth. You know, and that it's incredible. Wow. Blows me away. Um, as for, as for La- Laputa, um, it's just gorgeous. As I mentioned, it, it, this, the whole city in the sky idea it is, well, castle in the sky, gorgeous. It's beautiful. Like, I was in awe when I, when I first saw it, when it was first properly revealed. Um, you know, it. how can I explain it? Um, 
everything was just frame for frame, like Nausicaa. And again, hand-drawn animation, again, every single frame was art. The whole movie is, is artful. And that I could literally break down many scenes and be like, yep, yeah, freeze frame, that's a poster. That's the front cover. There's your trailer poster. That's the front cover of the DVD. That's the poster goes on my wall. Each frame, both beautiful, beautiful animation. And I, I just love a poster um, of Laputa, just as it is in its glory on my wall. I just need it because it looks gorgeous. It's wonderfully designed and, and great. So the idea and concept of the whole idea is just blows me away anyway. Um, it's beautiful. But again, as I mentioned, hand-drawn animation, it it will forever be timeless. It will live on forever because love and compassion went into it. That's what CGI is missing nowadays. It's missing the compassion. Now, I'm not saying that animated movies nowadays with CGI and, and 3D um, graphics, I'm not saying they're not good. They are good. They're incredible at times. But I just feel like, you, for me personally, the reason why hand-drawn animation just works so much better in pulling me into the story is because I can just tell that somebody, um, a whole team of people, sat down for hours on end, colouring, drawing, animating, frame by frame, make sure everything that was, everything that you see on the screen is... Um, necessary. There's no fluff. There's no guff. There's no trying to um, add things just because we can, because it's easy and all we got to do is drag and drop. None of that. Everything that you see is necessarily aesthetically pleasing to the eye and is meant to be there, right? And it just bolsters what's there. You know, it's art. It's gorgeous. It is timeless and it always will be. This art form behind your animation it needs a comeback. It needs a renaissance. You know, there needs to be a studio out there somewhere. I know Ghibli does it, but there needs to be a studio out there who brings back modern hand-drawn animated movies, brings back that style. Because, again, I would imagine Ghibli still do it with a lot of their movies. Again, I don't know. Um, hopefully I'm right um, in this assumption. Um, but if they do still do hand-drawn animation and they're still around today and people still love them, it just shows there's an audience for hand-drawn animation and it can be done well and to a high, extremely high standard, you know. So just because, you know, 3D animation is easier doesn't mean that you, that's the option you should always take. Sometimes a little bit of difficulty and a little bit of extra time and care that goes into something gives you more practice in the end when that actually shows that I actually put my work into it. I put my heart and soul into it. It was difficult, but I, I found a way around it. I, I managed to work my way through it. And the end result is something that is and could be considered a masterpiece and just gorgeous. And I just feel like that's what modern animation is really missing nowadays is just that extra level of love um, and passion in these sort of movies because they're not being drawn by hand. Um, sorry, I went a bit of a Ted talk rant about that, but I think I did with, with, with Nausicaa as well, but I just, I just find this animation style so aesthetically pleasing. It just, it, it just, these movies, what I found by Ghibli films so far is that aesthetically, they just so appeasing to my autistic brain that I just instantly melt 
that I don't even know what it's about yet. I ain't even watched it. But straight away, it's like watching when I first started watching the Wes Anderson movies, because they're because they're done in such an aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing way, that I just fell in love with the world, with the characters and everything, because I was just enthralled of what I was seeing, because I've never seen cinema like that before. And it was the same growing up watching um, hand drawn animation. It was appeasing to me. Yes, again, I grew up with sort of the rise of 3D animation. And I, I always love it and I always will love 3D animation. But hand drawn will always have a special place in my heart because how aesthetically pleasing it is to the eye um, for me and for obviously many other people as well. You know, um, moving on quickly, otherwise I'll be here all day talking about animation. Um, the environmental message, you know, it's still here. It's still powerful. It still resonates. Um, and there were two quotes in this movie that I, I, I pulled out to that really wrap up the that message perfectly. So the first quote, it's a short one, but we'll try and break it down, um, is the earth has music for those who listen. I'll repeat that for you, right? The earth has music for those who listen. I think Uncle Pom uh, said this um, in the film. Um, but what a beautiful quote. And it's true. If you ever just you ever take the time to put your phone down and to get away from technology, to sit in your garden or to go for a walk in the woods um, or to go to the countryside or just to get away from cities, get away from cars, get away from technology, just to kind of go somewhere where there is life, right? And then just stand or sit and listen. So all you got to do, open your, like, you can even close your eyes and turn up your volume in your ears, right? And just listen. And you'd be amazed at the things that you can hear that your brain automatically blocks out because you're not focusing on them. But when there's nothing going on around you, your human element, sort of the human ape, the, the human animal, basically, the human creature wakes up the natural sort of um, humanic part of the brain opens up and you can hear the earth sing. You can hear it talk to you. You can hear it in the wind. You can hear it in the birds. You can hear it in the grass. You can hear it in, in the rustling of leaves. You can hear it in, in the bees and other insects that are flying around you. If you get down to the earth, and again, you might, it might sound crazy to some people, but I've already made it obvious that I'm a very spiritual person, so this is normal for me. But even if you was to get down and just to lie down on the grass and then just to look um, and kind of get a perspective of an ant's perspective and you was to look through the grass kind of like honey i shrunk the kids that sort of thing um or you just to listen to the ground and you listen to um the grass as as the wind blows and that sort of thing and just to watch the life around you the earth is constantly talking to you the earth is constantly speaking to you the stones the the fire the the wind the water um everything is talking to you you just have to switch off and listen and humans we have lost touch with nature there's not many people in the world who still are in touch with nature. There's not many tribes. There's not many um, cultures that are still in tune with nature. And those that are, you'll find they're a lot more spiritual and open and open because they understand their place. You know, um, Western, Western cultures, Western societies very much um, have that sort of idea and concept that your purpose in life is to work until that you are dead is that your your purpose is to contribute to the overall society and that's it and done right whereas a lot of um 
other sort of cultures that are not in the West, in the East, and a lot of tribes, their idea and concept of what life is and what life means is just to be in tune with nature, to be as the as the butterfly, to be as as the flower, to be here, to be beautiful, to be strange, and then to go. And that's wonderful. You know, so the idea of listening to nature and, and to really sort of switching off and just take it all in is a beautiful message. And this being a kid's movie and to get in that idea into kids' minds at a young age is fantastic. To show them that to not just to look after the environment, but just to put technology down, to put that to the wayside, pick up a book, or not even a book, just go outside, touch grass, listen, hug a tree, feel life, feel alive. You know, it's a wonderful message, right? Uh, also, second quote, I like this one. This one's a bit longer, um, but also this one has a huge resonance as well. Um, it goes, no matter how many weapons you have, um, no matter how great your technology might be, the world cannot live without love. I'll say, I'll, I'll repeat myself one more time, right? No matter how many weapons you have, no matter how many, how great your technology might be, the world cannot live without love. Because love is beautiful. Love is all around us. You know, love is everywhere. You know, I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. You know, love is powerful it's a drug it's kind of thinks it's what humanity chase after love in family loving friends loving each other loving a partner loving animals loving nature you know like no matter how great technology might be phones tvs um cars planes you know anything like that any sort of technology how great and powerful that might be um Without having a human connection, without love, without having someone to talk to, what is the point? What's the point of having all this technology if you if you don't love each other? If there's not that if there's not that connectiveness in the world, you know, it's the same with weapons. Yeah, it's all well and good having the biggest gun, um, but if we kill each other, then what? We've just we've destroyed ourselves. The planet will live on the planet will heal and the animals will come back and, and the world will move on without us like we weren't even here. Um, but again, um, if we destroy ourselves with our weapons, then the love is gone because the human love and the love we have for each other, you know, so a world without love is not a world that I want to live, live in, you know, so two big things to take away really is to touch grass to get out, to listen to the world, listen to the trees, embrace it, take it in, live a life that is worth living as long as it's in tune and connected to the world and to nature and to be grounded, you know, and love yourself, love each other, have a world of love and, you know, just take time to put the technology away. After Actually, I'm asking you, you know, after you listen to this podcast, um, switch off, turn your phone off. Turn, turn your TV off, your your Xbox or um, your computer or whatever it is you listen to this podcast on right now. If, or if you're driving, pull over, you know, just sit, turn the engine off, go outside, put the window down, listen, take it all in. Um, and you'll probably find that there were things that you didn't hear that you've always heard, but you didn't notice before. And you might see how beautiful this world really, really is. That no matter how dark and decrepit and, and sad and 
than cruel the world might seem at times, that the world itself, the planet, is beautiful. There's, there's beauty and there is peacefulness and calm all around us. We just need to know how to tap in it and find it, you know. Um, so that environmental message is still there. It's incredibly powerful. Um, and again, I already know a lot of all these messages, a lot of all these things that he's trying to tell me. Uh, again, these are my interpretations of, of these quotes anyway. Um, but it's nice to have them reinforced. It's nice to have them sort of fed to me and sort of pushed back into me. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I really sort of taken what's trying to be said here. But also kids, the next generation, learning these messages, learning these sort of um, foundations of, of, of life. Fantastic. Absolutely incredible. I, and I'm glad that all these movies have an environmental message to them. It just makes me love them more because we need that, especially nowadays with like heat waves in Europe and, and like play, the planets on fire. You know, we need to learn all about nature and how to quickly basically protect it and put the fire out and to save ourselves and to save the planet, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that that's all my notes really overall i love this film i do which is obvious i knew i was going to um i had no doubts whatsoever um i watched it twice i will happily watch it again um more than likely i will end up sitting and listening to the soundtrack like i did for norsica i still listen to that you know um whenever i need to i still put that on you know so i had no doubt i wasn't going to love it if you haven't seen this movie, like if, if if you're a fan of Ghibli and this is one of those that you haven't seen, um, or if you're like me and you're a newbie and, you, and you're watching them as I watch them, um, and you haven't gotten to this one yet, definitely, you'll love it. it it's, it's an incredible film. Um, and yeah, I'm just, just happy. I am. I'm, I'm just in a fantastic mood. I just feel great. I just feel so great. This movie's put me in a good mood. You know, and, that, and that, that's what you want at the end of the day. You want to watch a movie where you're like, you know what? Yeah, it was two hours, but I'll watch that again. That's good. You know, and that says somebody who's got the extended versions of all the Lord of the Rings movies, who will happily, no matter what time of day it is, put those on and watch them to completion. You know, and if there is tons, all, loads of time in the day, I'll happily watch all three extended movies. Um, and that's like, I don't know many hours. I want to say nine, but I feel like it's longer. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't mind a long movie as long as it pulls me in and sort of uh, takes me along for the ride. I'll happily just ride that train forever long it needs to go on for. Um, so, yeah, so that has been my review of Castle in the Sky or as I would rather sort of see it as its original title, which is Laputa uh, Castle in the Sky, because it sounds so much better, and it makes way more sense as to when you watch the movie as well. Um, hope you liked it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you liked this podcast or you liked this review, uh, you can find the Nerd Sagit podcast basically anywhere and everywhere that you find podcasts nowadays. Uh, the only place you won't find me... Um, is on Apple Podcasts. But if you go onto Google and you just type in the Nerd Stagit Podcast, uh, they'll give you a long list of all the places you can find me. Um, I'm on Audible. Uh, I'm on YouTube. If you are listening to this, listen to this on YouTube, uh, again, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. I want to hear what you think about this movie and other Studio Ghibli films. I'm so interested in the dialogue and having a conversation with people about these movies. Um, so please, if you have something to say or any sort of feedback whatsoever, please 
put it down in the notifications below. Also, don't forget to ring the bell if you have subscribed so you can stay up to date on everything and anything that I post um, on there. Um, also, if you listen to this on Spotify, don't forget to give me a star rating, one to five stars. Uh, five stars, best thing you heard in your life, one star. I'm talking complete rubbish and you disagree with me completely. Again, whatever you feel like is fair, please do let me know. And um, yeah, so I have been your host, Luke the Human. You've been listening to the Nerd Stadge podcast and I will catch you in the next one. Bye-bye, guys.